0: Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. Political paraphernalia can be fun to collect. Provost Mark Burns has his personal collection. So does Honors College Dean John Vile. So do I. But the Albert Gore Research Center has more than just fun in mind when it collects artifacts. Right now it's soliciting artifacts from recent Black Lives Matter demonstrations and the struggle with COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Louis Kiriakoudis is the center's director and the professor of history. We'll talk about preserving history as it happens after this.
1: Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. National Leadership Honor Society Omicron Delta Kappa recently recognized MTSU's Susan Lyons with the Robert L. Moreland, Robert Bishop Outstanding Circle Officer Award. The award celebrates Lyons' service as an Omicron Delta Kappa, or ODK, Circle Assistant and now Circle Coordinator at MTSU. It also recognizes her contributions as a member of the 2018 Biennial National Convention and Leadership Conference. In the MTSU circle's first decade, which was 2010 through this year, university members have received six ODK Foundation scholarships, one Rourke Meritorious Service Award, and now the Moreland Bishop Award. And MTSU has joined with two state universities in a grant-funded project that aims to bolster regional workforce development in the tech sector, promote collaborative research, and build a foundation for future public and private partnerships. MTSU, through its Data Science Institute, along with Tennessee Tech University and the University of Tennessee Chattanooga, were awarded an almost quarter-million dollar National Science Foundation grant for an 18-month initiative that began this month. Data Science Institute Director Charlie Apigian said he and co-director Ryan Otter Feel the Grant's Purpose fits perfectly with the Institute's core principles. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com.
0: Lewis, welcome back. Thanks for being
2: with us.
1: I'm happy to be here with you.
0: This is what the Albert Gore Research Center does. Uh, collects all kinds of historical Uh, artifacts, whether they be documents or placards or video or audio or uh, any type of format that is part of the historical record. Uh, Tell us what you're doing specifically in regard to uh, the recent newsmaking events going on in
2: and around our area. As you know, there have been uh, and will continue to be some protests on the issue of police brutality. Um, excessive policing uh, and also uh, protests that have included uh, the persistence of Confederate names and Confederate monuments both on the MTSU campus and in um, the city of Murfreesboro. So this is an active ongoing example of uh, constitutionally protected free speech, uh, freedom of assembly of citizens uh, gathering together to make their positions known on these important issues. And that, of course, also includes the Black Lives Matter protest. We are reaching out to the public and asking people uh, uh, to save any materials that might be part of their own experience in the protest. Maybe they've printed a sign or used a printed sign or other items, and to save those. If they're interested, they could deposit them uh, at the Gore Center so that students and scholars of the future, and for that matter, the present, study them, learn from them, and help remember these important events. Uh, And so that's what we're doing. Because of the COVID situation and social distancing, we're asking people to contact the Gore Center first. You can get our contact information through our website, uh, Albert Gore Research Center at MTSU. Uh, It's easy to find us on the MTSU website or to Google us, Albert Gore Research Center. That'll take us right to it. Um, Because of the COVID situation, we ask that people not simply drop by because we have limited um, physical hours on campus, and we're trying to maintain the social and physical distancing to prevent the spread of uh, the COVID disease. But we ask that they reach out, and if they have an item or a set of items that they'd like to share with us, to uh, contact us, and we can make an arrangement with them.
0: And to be clear, regardless of where uh, an individual stands on the political spectrum, this is nothing different than what you would see most other museums and archives uh, do. The Smithsonian, uh, for example, and all, uh, all of its many museums in and around the Washington, D.C. area. Artifacts from World War One, World War II, the Great Depression, Uh, union strikes against companies, the Watts riots, the '68 Democratic National Convention, anything you can think of uh, at any end of the political spectrum is is fair play for a historian to examine and uh, judge on the merits of whether or not it should be curated, right?
2: Uh, That's correct. The Gore Center doesn't engage in advocacy. We are not pushing one particular position over another, but we are interested in uh, what some people call memory work. That is uh, making sure that the items, the artifacts, the documents, photographs, uh, and other things that memorialize uh, activity, political activity broadly defined, and that includes people making their opinions known through protests. Um, We want to keep these Uh, so that they can be available for future scholars and students and people in the community. Uh, They are part of our common history here in Middle Tennessee, and more specifically, Rutherford County and Murfreesboro. And so um, if these items are disposed of, not kept, thrown in the trash, as, you know, someone might be inclined to do after they're done with it or or squirreled away in a closet, um, instead, they could be at the Gore Center where they would Uh, be cared for uh, in a long-term situation where they could be used by people in the future. We collected materials from the Murfreesboro Loves uh, movement in October of 2017. And for listeners and readers who are not familiar with what happened then, there was a march of white nationalists uh, in Murfreesboro, at least an announced march. And the community responded with this amazing uh, community response of Murfreesboro loves, which was a uh, multi uh, religious, including non religious organizations, a broad based uh, movement from every facet of the community coming together and saying that Murfreesboro is not a place where we agree with white nationalists and white supremacists and neo Nazis, which were the groups that were coming to town. And rather than protest and uh, a source of anger, they adopted Murfreesboro Loves as their standard. And so we collected quite a few items from that protest. My personal favorite was one put together by an artist who created a silkscreen frame so that she could make signs quickly, you know, using the silkscreen technique, a form of uh, mass printing. And that silkscreen frame was donated to us and it's a powerful artifact. And it's powerful because it tells the story of someone coming, you know, thinking consciously, preparing for this movement, participating in it, and then devising a a printing device to make many signs that could be used by many people. And we have featured that in exhibits on the Murfreesboro Loves uh, Movement. And so that's an example. These more, more recent protests are different. They're not the same as the Murfreesboro loves, because it's a different time and a different set of issues, uh, at least in the in the narrowest sense. But in the broader sense, they are very similar. Uh, people are in Murfreesboro coming together and uh, declaring that you know our community has, at least some people in the community have a position on these things, and they want to get that uh, that position out. We're interested in documenting that and preserving that history.
0: Time for a break here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers' camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com.
2: The Middle East-centered MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard,
1: center director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com.
0: We're speaking with Dr. Louis Kiriakoudis, director of the Albert Gore Research Center on campus and a professor of history. The Albert Gore Research Center is the repository of uh, MTSU historical artifacts about the the university's long and storied, more than a century-long history. And it is also collecting artifacts from the recent Black Lives Matter uh, demonstrations when you get an artifact, uh, and, and I know this will depend upon what it is, whether it's a placard or a t-shirt or whatever it may be, how do you take care of it? What is that process like so that you can preserve it?
2: Uh, the artifact is received by one of our uh, very talented archivists. The Gore Center has two full-time archivists, uh, Donna Baker, who is university archivist, and then Sarah Calise, who is re- uh, political and regional collections artifact. Uh, uh, archivist, excuse me. And depending upon the nature of the document, it goes to one archivist or the other. If it's something pertaining to MTSU or an MTSU document or artifact, it goes to Ms. Baker. If it's political and regional, it goes to Ms. Khalif But once they receive it, depending upon the artifact, the, we have uh, archival preservation standards. If it's a document, it goes into um, one of our document boxes. If it's a larger poster, We have large flat folder storage areas. Think of uh, large wide drawers and large cabinets that live in our climate controlled fire safe uh, archival facility. If it's a different kind of artifact, it might need some specialized preservation. And there are professional guidelines uh, which we employ to take care of each of those documents. You mentioned uh, t-shirts, one of the interesting um, aspects of our uh, collections. We're participating in a larger national movement called Wearing Gay History, where we're collecting uh, t-shirts related to LGBTQ plus protests and awareness. And we have a small collection of of, uh, historical t-shirts too. And those are just another artifact and those tell a story. Um, And we have an important collection that we've recently acquired called the Out Central collection, which is a protest collection, and uh, that documents uh, gay and lesbian protests in the Nashville area going back uh, to the 1980s.
0: And when it comes to the collections that uh, you already have there, they include uh, paraphernalia from uh, elections, all kinds of elections, and all sorts of important uh, Tennessee politicians, not just the senior Uh, Senator Albert Gore, the father of the former Vice President. Tell us what some of your political
2: uh, artifacts are. The the Gore Center's mission is really to document the political history of Middle Tennessee and Tennessee more generally, and to some degree the American South. We define the word political broadly, and so political means really anything related to power and political issues and uh, the implementation of that power. Our core collections are that of Senator Albert Gore Sr., who served in the United States Senate from 1953 to 1971. Prior to that, he served in the United States Congress, House of Representatives. We have seven congressional collections. We also have a number of important collections of elected state legislators who served in the Tennessee uh, state legislature, uh, John Bragg being the, the largest and most important. Uh, but we also have. Uh, Collections by uh, what you would call non-governmental organizations, the League of Women Voters for Rutherford County, which documents the political history of this uh, community very extensively. We also have human rights organizations. I mentioned the Out Central collection, which uh, documents LGBTQ plus history. But we also have a collection called Tennesseans for Alternatives to the Death Penalty, which documents the efforts Uh, by that organization to address uh, issues uh, related to the persistence of the death penalty, so an anti-death penalty group. And so we have quite a bit uh, that um, documents kind of the political activity broadly defined in Rutherford County in Middle Tennessee. We also have an extensive oral history collection. Most of our oral histories document uh, uh, Rutherford County soldiers who fought World War II and later wars. I've begun uh, a Murfreesboro African American History Project uh, interviewing um, people who were involved in the uh, desegregation of the Murfreesboro Public Schools, for example, in the 1960s. We also have a large extension of World War II materials, including letters from the home front to soldiers and back again. So lots of soldiers' letters and their family letters. And other things that document the experience of the Second World War. So we have a—it's—it's it's a very large collection and very diverse, and uh, very important uh, in its ability to document what happened in our community, in Middle Tennessee, Rutherford County.
0: How much do you have on the? Decades-old controversy uh, more recently uh, ignited in recent years over the naming of the ROTC building after Nathan Bedford Forrest.
2: Yes, this is one of the areas where um, we have made it a significant amount of outreach and, uh, and a major contribution. Our archivists uh, Donna Baker and Sarah Khalees worked together to create an online archive called the Forest Hill Protest Collection. And this online archive has pulled together a wide variety of documents, newspapers, photographs, and other items, documenting the history of the use of Confederate symbols on the MTSU campus, but also documenting the history of students' efforts to get rid of those symbols on the MTSU campus. Because while Forrest Hall, the ROTC building, has been the source of recent controversy, At one time, this campus uh, was uh, riven with pro-Confederate symbols back in the 1950s, for example. African-American students, their white allies have come together and called for the removal of the Nathan Bedford Forest uh, mascot at sports events. Uh, There used to be a Nathan Bedford Forest uh, giant medallion on one of our buildings, uh, and that was removed. Um, back in the um, in the 80s. We have done a good job of making the campus more inclusive by getting rid of these symbols and I fully support that. The university did seek to change the name of Forest Hall. I participated as an expert witness in the administrative law hearing where uh, Dr. McPhee McPhee explained to the State uh, Historical Commission why Forest Hall uh, the Forest Hall name was disruptive on campus. Uh, the Historical Commission did not approve that effort. And I'm hoping that we will follow up to that with perhaps signs, a historical signage around the building that can explain the history of forest and explain the history of student protest against this and to explain why these symbols are so offensive to so many of our students. This is uh, uh, all documented in the Forest Hall protest collection, which is on the MTSU library website. And we're constantly adding new documents to this. And it is really um, a wonderful resource for the community, for anybody that wants to know about this particular aspect of MTSU history.
0: We'll take another break here. This is MTSU on the record.
2: The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TARA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TARA, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets, upon graduation, will serve their country as second lieutenants, either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com.
0: We're back with Dr. Louis Curiacudis, director of the Albert Gore Research Center and professor of history, talking about the collection of political and historical artifacts both old and new. With regard to the um, renewed fervor over taking down Confederate monuments that we're seeing across the country right now, and the type of resistance that we saw in the most recent attempt to persuade the Tennessee Historical Commission to keep the name of Forrest Hall on the ROTC building, it brings up interesting consideration of what a historian's mission is in regard to making sure that the truth, not just one side or the other, is preserved for all time to come. Talk about the uh, the objectivity that has to come into play in not falling prey to uh, hot emotion on uh, issues of of this type of passion.
2: The thing that separates uh, a good historian, professionally trained, from people that are just interested in history, uh, or people who perhaps are using history for other purposes, uh, ideological purposes, is that a good historian starts with immersion in the primary sources, the original documents. We go back to understand the story from the documents that were generated at the time that we're trying to understand. And this is especially important to the um, understanding of Confederate monuments in the American South and indeed across the country. There are actually Confederate monuments in other parts of the country, but they are concentrated in the South. These monuments were not thrown up right after the Civil War. They actually first started to appear in the 1890s, uh, but really peaked in the years right up to World War I. And so if you go back and you actually look at when these monuments were created, and who created them, you find out that, well, they were created for, as part of a process of establishing a, 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 a white supremacy in the South. It was coincident with the erection of the Jim Crow regime, uh, the formal laws that separated people, and it was coincident with the effort to remove African-Americans from exercising the franchise that is voting. Uh, and you know, it took time for that to happen. Uh, that would began, That process began in the 1890s and continued through the first uh, decade of the 20th century. And so historians will go back and will look at what actually happened, as opposed to simply reading the statue and accepting that at face value. Another thing that historians have done is they've gone back and they've researched the ceremonies in which some of these document, uh, some of these uh, statues were dedicated. So, for example, a famous case is the University of North Carolina. Uh, it's no longer there, but they had a uh, Civil War memorial in the central part of campus. A historian, a graduate student who's interested in researching this subject, went into the archive and found the speech that was given at the dedication of the, of the statue. And it is a, it's a horrific uh, speech in the sense that it, express, it, it expresses you know, extremely racist views. We look at the context of these statues and when they were put up, how they were put up, what people said when they were put up, and you find out they're really, they're not so much about the Civil War, per se, as they are about establishing a kind of pro-Confederacy white supremacy uh, in the late 19th and very early 20th century South. And that's a South who saw those rules dismantled systematically by uh, civil rights protests and consequent federal legislation in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s.
0: In the here and now though, you hearing from the people who are passionate about keeping the name of Forrest Hall and keeping the Confederate statues up is that politically correct people are trying to deprive them of their history. Their ancestors fought for the South. What do you have to say to those people who feel that something is being taken away from them?
2: Nathan Bedford Forrest never came to the MTSU campus. He died you know, in the 18, late 1870s. Uh, MTSU was founded in 1911. He, he has no connection to the MTSU campus. The building was named Forest Hall in the early 1950s, at a time when the president of the university was aggressively developing a kind of Confederate symbol culture all over campus. Secondly, this is not a racing history. There are books and books and books about the Civil War from many different perspectives. And so if somebody wants to learn about Nathan Bedford Forrest, uh, w- there is plenty uh, f- for that person to, to review. Uh, people fight over its meaning and the like, and that's all fascinating, and that's part of the uh, wrestling with history that historians uh, really love to do. But for somebody that feels like something is being taken away from them, it's not being taken Their history is their history. This is the history of the Civil War. And... They are free to remember it and to read about it. There is so much here in our community. We have the Stones River National Battlefield, and that certainly is a Civil War story. So these monuments are something different altogether, as I mentioned earlier. They're monuments that came up, not so much to celebrate history or to remember history, but to really establish political point about the dominance of one group of people over another.
0: Is there a plan for you to collect oral histories, from demonstrators, law enforcement officers, political leaders, university leaders, pertaining to these most recent demonstrations?
2: I mostly do that through my classes. I taught an oral history seminar, oral history of your community, through our MA in liberal arts uh, program here at MTSU that just this past spring, and some of the students actually went out and interviewed people that had participated in the Murfreesboro Loves uh, Movement. You know, I intend to do similar work going forward, largely through teaching, because that's the way to get students involved, uh, that's a way to amplify our efforts, and that's a way to uh, really connect our undergraduate and graduate students with the methods and the materials of oral history.
0: Matter of fact, you are co-director, are you not, of the Oral History Association?
2: Yes, one of the activities I share with Dr. Christine McCusker, a professor of history here at MTSU, is co-executive director of the Oral History Association. We've been doing that for uh, two years and we have three more years on our agreement with the association to do that. And that's a great thing for MTSU because it's a symbol and a confirmation of the really great work that MTSU is doing in oral history, not just by me and Dr. McCusker, but by many people across the university.
0: In the event that someone would like to contribute an artifact from the post-George Floyd era uh, demonstrations or be the subject of an oral history interview because they participated in SAME, what is the best way to get in touch with you?
2: The best way is to email me, lewis.kiriakudis at mtsu.edu, l-o-u-i-s dot k-y-r-i-a-k-o-u-d-e-s I'm also on the Alpracore uh, Research Center website and in the directory at MTSU if you don't want to, to type all those letters.
0: Dr. Louis Kiriakoudis, Director of the Albert Gore Research Center. Thank That's you right. so much for being our guest.
2: Well, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me as a guest.
0: We'll be right back. The Middle Tennessee State University Women's Studies Research Series features compelling monthly talks on gender-related topics by faculty and graduate students. This series offers a chance to learn about research and progress and to chat with faculty in an informal setting. All lectures are free and open to the public and are held on the MTSU campus.
1: For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com.
0: Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, Wise Advisor.
1: For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com.
0: Randy Weiler has the middle moment. MTSU Phillips Bookstore, operated by Barnes & Noble College, is back open for business in the student union after the university moved to remote courses and work in March because of the coronavirus pandemic.
2: Manager Natalie
0: Karasatos shares more. We actually opened on June 16th, so excited to finally have our doors open. Barnesville operates over um, 700 college bookstores across the country, and we're so thrilled to be part of MTSU. I am just amazed at this beautiful new space we have and how the campus has grown. And we're really looking forward to being good campus partners. So we want to make sure we invite everybody, students, parents, alumni, supporters, to come by and shop with us. Currently, we are open 10 to 2, Monday through Friday. As we get closer to fall and August, store hours will change. We'll have longer hours. To be sure and watch our website is www.mtsu.com. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.